Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McRoy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Or should you say, reindeer? It's beginning to look a lot like the holidays. Jing, jingle, 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 jingle bells. Is that where that goes? Is that in no, that song? No, I was just trying you're to... You're remixing? I'm jazzing it up with you. You were jazzing it up. You were. You felt that my song with, wasn't with jazzy you. enough. Jazzing it with. It you. felt like you were jazzing against me. <laughs> Are you jazzing with me or against me? Always with me. Jazz mom. is about the jingle bells you don't jingle. What? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, last night Teresa and I went um, on a date. Yeah, that's right. We're still in love, and. Uh, we are also parents, though, so it's like every Tuesday, <laughs> the most romantic day of the week. And um, we went to this place in town called Overlook Lodge, but they've redecorated, they've rethemed it for it's the... A, it's a pop-up miracle event. Yes. It's a, an outside company that comes yes. in. And then, uh, like, something like 10% of it goes to charity and stuff. But it was uh, Christmas-themed, right? So it's like all these Christmas-themed drinks, and they play like, Christmas movies, and Christmas music, mm-hmm. and Christmas decorations everywhere. And Ding dang it! If it didn't put me in the ding dang spirit for the holidays, yeah. And the weird thing though is that people listening to this, it will be the day after Thanksgiving, which is traditionally when I allow Christmas into my heart. Indeed, right when it's like time to take down the fall decorations, put up the Christmas decorations. But we're recording it the day before Thanksgiving, and I'm battling that inner, inner turmoil of like, yes, but we haven't finished fall yet. Fall's done after Thanksgiving. But I'm allowing Christmas into my heart for this episode. Just sneak it in the back, the, the, the back door. I'm going to hide Christmas <laughs> in my garage for this episode to talk about ornaments. Indeed. Christmas Ornate holiday ornaments. Sure. We don't have to limit it. We'll probably say Christmas a lot because I'm 40 years old and I've only ever put up Christmas ornaments. But if you put up ornaments, non-denominational, Hanukkah. Uh, I know uh, people Kwanzaa. who who have um, all holiday tree. They put up Halloween t- decorations on the tree. You can put up Valentine's Day decorations on the tree. You can put general spring things on the tree. I don't think you're doing it on purpose, but I think just years of Linda Belcher in your head. (laughs) Oh, look at the tree. You're saying it like you have like a New Jersey accent. (laughs) And I love it very, very much. I don't think I could uh, uh, deal with that. No, you don't want to have a holiday tree? I love the decoration for Christmas, right? Because it's attached to it. But it is an impractical, it takes up so much space. Yeah, it does. In the room. And like, I already, there are times where it's like, I wish I could shrink this couch down just for a little bit and then grow <laughs> it back when we need it. And so the idea of like taking up that much space for like, I don't know, a spring tree. It's like, there are trees outside. That's the whole point of spring. They're outside. You can go see them now. Anywho, that's not what we're talking about. That's not We're it. talking about uh, holiday decorations, but specifically Ornaments. Yes, specifically ornaments, because we've covered holiday villages, lights, uh, decorations in general, I think. 
um, Christmas trees themselves, I think, but ornaments specifically, I don't think we've covered until today. And the thing about ornaments is they're ornamental. They are, indeed. Let's begin there. (laughs) Uh, So the practice of bringing evergreen boughs or even full trees into the home during the winter months is a tradition that dates back Thousands. Thousands? Of years. Thousands. It is a prime example of one of the recurring themes here on Schmanners. The Great Christian Rebrand. That's right. The Great Christian Rebrand. So almost all the traditions that we associate with Christianity uh, were actually pagan traditions first. Because it's all related. I think we talked, if we haven't, we definitely talked about it in the Christmas tree episode. Yes. But we talked about solstice before where mm-hmm. this was like the, hey, uh, we're about to head into winter. So this yep. is our chance to like, hey, thanks for a great harvest. Uh, let's all stay warm and safe together. We're all looking out for each other. It was very much a, this is our last big feast before times get tight. Yes. Um, in old Germanic and Norse mythology... Evergreen trees were uh, decorated with tiny carvings of gods and food offerings to entice tree spirits to return and bring spring back with them. Yes. Um, And so they are the ones that we think started the ornaments specifically, although decorating trees with berries and twigs and pine cones and all that kind of stuff. Squirrels were doing that long before (laughs) us. Squirrels were really the first Christmas tree decorators when you think about it. You see that uh, Chip and Dale and... The Mickey chops down their house, brings it inside, oh, and yeah. oh, Pluto's so mad. Oh. I have seen that. Oh, Pluto's so mad. And in the end, Mickey's like, hey, Pluto, it's Christmas. And I'm like, hey, Mickey, there's two chipmunks in your house. You should be freaking <laughs> out. You should call animal no, they're control. they're cool. They're cool. You're only saying that because you know they're Chippendale. If today I set up our Christmas tree, and this would be wild because it's artificial, but if I set up our <laughs> Christmas tree and there were two chipmunks living in it, you wouldn't look at Buttercup and Lily and be like, hey, guys. You're being irrational. Well, because they're actual animals, whereas Pluto is a cartoon. Listen, I understand the words that you're saying, <laughs> but I choose not to understand the meaning behind them. Let's let's shine a spotlight for our purposes on 16th century Germany. Of course. One legend around this time. John is, legend. <laughs> no, no. Stay with me, babe. Okay, I'm trying. <laughs> is Martin Luther. Oh, Walking. Oh, when he nailed the thing onto a Christmas tree, and that no, was the first decoration. No, that's not what happened. No? No. Okay. Uh, specifically, this time, Martin Luther. Not that time. But this time, Martin Luther was walking home. No, it's the same okay, one. Okay, I see. Okay. He was walking home one winter evening, and the stars and the sky inspired him to put gold and silver ornaments on the tree that I guess he was already decorating. That doesn't sound, I don't know a lot about Martin Luther, but the little bit I do know, it doesn't seem like he was like, you know what? I like extravagance. Mm. Another legend is that his wife, Katie, made paper roses and placed them in their windows on Christmas Eve. Apparently, Martin saw it and loved it so much that he cut down a small fir tree and brought it inside so she could decorate it with her creations. Okay. I'll give you that one. Because yeah. if your if your wife makes something pretty, you got to put it on a tree. That's the law. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Um, these were originally known. Can you imagine if that's what happened? And he was like, oh, those are beautiful flowers. Hold on. And he came back and he dragged a tree in the house. And his wife was like, what are you doing? doing? And he's like, I saw the roses. And I thought, you thought what? How did... (laughs) Why was your, hey, Martin, your logical conclusion was, you know what she's going to want for me to drag a tree in the house? Well, so churches at this time were already decorating what they called paradise trees for the Christmas place because, um, you know, these first ornaments would have been like apples and nuts and berries and candles and stuff because the apple in particular uh, stands out as um, it used to be in medieval Germany, Adam and Eve were also celebrated on Christmas Eve. It made a good kind of like pairing. Of Christmas Eve. No. And the next day is Christmas Adam. No. 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 Good try, though. Okay. I like it, but not what happened. Um, it's, I. What? I think being raised Southern Baptist, the idea of celebrating Adam and Eve is weird to me. Well, so here's the deal, right? It made a good kind of pairing, like an antithesis of here's Adam and Eve, original sin, right? And then on Christmas, the dude who's supposed to take the sin away is born, right? It's like a a yin-yang kind of thing. Okay. A balance. No, I get it. It brings balance to the universe. To the force. Yes. So then uh, you would have your your little, your, your Christmas play... That would be paired with, so you would do like the Adam and Eve story, and then you would do the Christmas, the Christ birth story, and this tree could be moved and used in both stories, okay. right? You had the apples on it. Economical. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so this is why, quick tidbit, a lot of ornaments are apples, right? A lot of people have apple ornaments on is their that trees. Why? That is one reason. Because growing up, my mom had a lot of apples on the tree, but- I just always, well, because it was, I'm confident it was, I was there, that it was because my mom did like a very like uh, country living southern home kind of yeah. uh, decoration where there was a lot of like uh, little uh, ornament sheet pans with little Christmas cookies on them and little apples and uh, things with apples on them. And it was very like, you know, gingham and. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean. I don't think my mom was thinking like, just like those 16th century Germans did it. Well, but I mean, the apples were available in the store to buy. True. Probably because the the German like tradition of the apples on the tree. Well, that does make sense, too, because I've I've never really thought about it. But it's not like, you know, Christmas, Christmas tree. Apples, like, wait, hold on. Right. You skipped, shouldn't it be like pine cones and stuff? Like, no, you know how apples grow on fir trees? They don't. They don't. That's not how that works at all. And it's also like apple is very fall to me. Mm-hmm. It's a very fall kind of fruit. There's not a lot of like Christmas things that I associate with apples. I don't get me wrong, I'm sure apple ciders and all that stuff, that's fine. But even apple cider, I would say, is a fall thing. Yeah, I know, uh, right? I've never thought about it before. We always had one or two apples on our tree and- I mean, the tradition of it was, you know, not, I wasn't aware of it, but we had them. So All right. it came from somewhere and maybe came from there. Um, not everyone, as always, is a fan of the paradise trees. And in particular, the Catholic Church. I mean, Martin Luther wasn't, you know, he he did his own divulging yeah, from they the didn't, Catholic Church. Yeah, they didn't Church. get uh, di- diverging. Diverging. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, but they weren't fans of each other to begin. They were frenemies, I Indeed. think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in the 15th century, they took their official stance against the Adam and Eve day, and they banned mystery plays across the board. Um, but people still love to decorate evergreen trees. We've talked about this before, by the way, um, but just a reminder, as long as we're talking about the great Christian rebrand, also to point out, the only people who have ever been against Christmas are Christians. <laughs> It's the only time when we talk about the war on Christmas and people trying to outlaw Christmas and saying you can't do that thing for Christmas. The only time historically that that's ever really happened has been some church organization saying, you know what? We've decided this isn't okay. You can't celebrate Christmas that way. It's never the other way around. It definitely happened in the United States, right? The Puritans. Puritans outlawed Christmas in like the 1700s or something. Way before that. Yeah. 1600s? We have a whole show on it. It's true. Oh, we go through a, a Puritan Christmas day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a lot like other days. It's pretty drab. <laughs> anyway, um, so the evergreen tree being decorated still persisted. Um, and, you know, like a lot of stuff that the Catholic Church says is bad, spread even faster. Yeah. Really. It's a, they, were, they were the original Streisand effect. As soon as they're like, you can't do it. Everyone's like, oh, oh. then I'm going to now. Watch me do it. And um, it really exploded in the U.S. when German-born settlers immigrated uh, during the 17 and 1800s, and they brought the Christmas tree firmly in their grasp with them. Um, And then this is when it got fancy, because in the 1800s, a glass blower is going to blow the ornament game out of the water. I can't wait to find out more, but first, a thank you note for our sponsors. At this point, folks, if you've listened uh, to the last, like, two months of Schmanners, you've heard us talk about Podia. And you're probably thinking, okay, I get it. Now really listen up, folks, because if you're thinking that, you have not explored everything Podia has to offer. Because Podia is a platform that gives you everything you need to run an online business. Really think about that. More and more people are turning to starting their own online businesses, right? And if you're like, yeah, I'd love to, but I don't know how to get started, then you should listen up to this. You should listen to it three times. You should go back, listen again, and then listen one more time, and then maybe a fourth time just for good measure. Maybe just put this ad on a loop. You're welcome. Podia has a website builder. They can host and sell online courses or digital downloads. They can distribute your email marketing and run your online community. Podia is easy to set up, edit, and design yourself with no tech expertise required. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? For permission? You have my permission. You have my permission to do it. You're welcome. Everything is in one place with one login. You don't have to figure out how to use or connect a bunch of tools. It all just works. And it all just works together. Podia also starts at the best price you can think of. Free. The only way it would be better is if you signed up and they handed you a $20 bill. But that's not a good business model and they would not last long. So instead, it's free. You can start a community, build a full website, make your products, and start your email marketing all for free when you sign up at Podia. That's P O D I A, podia.com slash schmanners. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) 
Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Okay, I'm not going to lie. When mm-hmm. you were talking about the 1800s and things getting fancy, I thought we were bring, about to bring up Victoria and Albert. Oh, no, we still will. Okay. We so still will. So people were blowing glass. But, so... In the mid 1800s, uh-huh. a German glass blower named Hans Greiner found himself in the middle of a dilemma. Too much glass. He had too much glass. Mm. What do I do with all his glass? No, 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 no. no okay. No. Uh, the story is he was unable to afford apples to decorate his Christmas tree. Mm. I guess they were pretty spendy. But. So, okay, I know where this story's going. Mm-hmm. I can see a beat ahead, and he mm-hmm. was like, apples, too expensive. I'll make glass apples that'll be cheaper. Maybe he had, you know, the leftover materials in order to make them. Okay. He began glowing glass ornaments by hand, recreating fruit as delicate baubles. Um, and then these could be like, if you look at it today, there's like a lot of like kind of like strings or garlands of these little like glass beads or they look almost like marbles. It's really cool. And so these became like the first official Christmas ornament because it's not like stuff you found outside right. and like food and like candles. And right? it's hypothetically something that you're like, I'm going to use it this year mm-hmm, and very mm-hmm. carefully put it away and use it again next year, which I to me is like pretty pivotal Christmas ornament criteria. Yes. These are referred to as glass schmuck which is roughly translated to glass jewelry. Ooh. Um, So he implemented a unique hand-blown process combined with special glass molds for the shapes and filled the inside with mercury or lead to make them kind of shimmery. Oh, no. And later, he would achieve the same effect using a special compound of silver nitrate and sugar water. I don't know if that's better. I mean, mean, it is. If only glitter had existed. (laughs) It is a little better than mercury and lead. Sure. Definitely. Um, just to think about though, if you have small children in the house and you're like, I'm going to make something look like food mm-hmm. <laughs> and fill it with silver nitrate or lead or mercury. So mercury and lead, I think lead especially could leach out. I don't know what the porous properties of glass are. Um, but mercury tends to stay kind of like solidy, you know, you know, that quicksilvery sure. inside of glass. So as long as it didn't break, right? But then quicksilver, I don't think has any kind of like, no, silver silver nitrate. nitrate. I was talking about quicksilver. Silver nitrate, I don't think has any kind of like leaching ability. Sure. So as long as it stayed together, the kids are all right. That's a big ask though, you know? Anyways. Anyway, they are gorgeous. 
And so, of course, people started placing orders and local businesses started stocking his ornaments. And uh, not long after, they began to be exported. Hans's sons and grandsons, Ernst, Otto, Willie, and Kurt. Okay. Very German. I love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> carried on the Christmas ornament tradition. And in fact, Hans's sons and grandsons were the first ones to create those glass marbles. Um, and so, you know, the town where they lived in Germany, still known for these delightful Christmas ornaments. Um, and if you wanted to take a look, you should Google Lauschka, Lauscha. Yeah. Probably spell it. L-A-U-S-C-H-A. Okay. Uh, it's beautiful. They have a big Christmas market. And... <sighs> I love a Christmas town. I sure do, too. <sighs> I like okay. to go there, and then I run into the boy that I used to kind of have a crush on in high school, and now he's a weatherman for the local town, and he's predicting, what, snow on Christmas? But we haven't had snow here <laughs> in over 25 years, and I've hardened my heart because I'm an important business lady. And then it turns out it does snow on Christmas, and we dance together on the ice, and we fall in love, and I move back to my Christmas town coming this winter on the Travis Channel. Yes. Which is directly opposed to the Hallmark Channel, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All of mine are weather-based. Oh, it's important okay. to all okay. of them weather are weather-based. Based. Got it. Um, so then in the 1870s, these ornaments found their way to Britain and right into the hands of our queen, Queen Beyonce. Victoria. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> queen Victoria. You really got me. Queen, <laughs> really? queen Victoria. You really got me. Queen Victoria. Uh, and so here we have it. I don't know if it's a Schmanner's first, but it definitely is today. We have the Great Christian Reband, and we have Queen Victoria in the same episode. I think we get a prize. Yeah. It's the bingo cards, checking them off left and right. That's right. Anyway, Queen Victoria was popularizing the Christmas tree uh, for her beloved Albert, right, who is German. And so she was like, let's get that German stuff in here. Let's do all that fun, cool stuff. It also, though, it, it fits in with a, like, Victorian pattern of outlets, right? Mm -hmm. Of, like... We've talked before about, like, people have this image in their head of, like, all the Victorians were really uptight and they were really, like, uh, pious and all this stuff. And, like, while a lot of the aesthetic was in, you know, darker colors and maybe more conservative dress, they loved a party. Mm -hmm. Right. They loved an excuse. Christmas was definitely the big excuse to party. They loved an excuse to behave badly and act out and everything and say like, well, it wasn't me because of the time. And so the opportunity to be like, let's decorate things brightly. Let's put decorations everywhere. And we're especially at a time where like, as we talk about maximalism Mm -hmm. becoming a thing, the idea of like not an inch, you know, is undecorated. It makes complete sense. Why not only is Victoria like, oh, I'm doing this for Albert, but why it would catch on so quickly is an excuse to decorate and an excuse to like fill your house with more stuff. Absolutely. It was so popular. Uh, you've probably seen it. We've all seen it. That uh, picture in the newspaper of her and Albert around the Christmas tree and mm-hmm. all of the children's is beautiful. It was so popular that it even made, made its way back to the U.S. And Christmas was back on in a big way. Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen the decorations? I, I've only ever seen them in Christmas Carol adaptations, but where it's like live candles 
in a tree, but it's like live candles in a bowl with mm-hmm. like some kind of liquid around it. Do you it. remember we've talked about this? Have we? Yeah. You and me or you and me in the audience? You and me in the audience. Okay. We've all three talked about this? Yeah. Okay. We've talked about it together. The okay. candles on the tree. Why would somebody do that? <laughs> I understand that they didn't fully understand how germs work. They didn't understand how death worked. But they knew how fire worked, right? Yeah, but they didn't do it for all the times. It was lit very specifically and then put out very quickly. Okay. Anyway, and when it got to America, they went, how can we make money on this? Sure. Hey, listen, I've held my tongue, but back when you were talking about Hans and him being like, "Ah, I can't afford apples, so I'll make orange. He was thinking, I could sell the crap out of these. <laughs> like, there's no way Hans wasn't also in it for money. When you make things, when you make goods and services, you want to sell them to people. <laughs> so check out Podia to sell your, okay. Okay, so, all right. What I'm saying is, like, we might be more cutthroat about it here in America. We're, I think we're just more uh, blatant about it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, in the 1890s, Woolworth's department store was a retail giant looking Uh, to capitalize on the Christmas season. One executive probably said something like, hmm, people like shiny stuff, right? He probably said exactly that. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Uh, And so they People are like ravens and magpies and stuff. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) And so they started importing these beautiful German glass ornaments, which paid off like to the tune of $25 million. And that was like in that's, early 1900s money. 1890s 1890s money. money? So That's probably like $500 million. $845 million today. Wow. Um, to give our audience some perspective, do you remember when Sony launched the PS2 in 2000? I do. Uh, it's hailed as one of the best-selling game consoles of all time, and they made $155 million. Yeah. Wow. So a lot. Okay. Are you wrapping your head around that right now? No, I'm mostly just thinking like, I thought they sold more ps <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, and, of course, everyone else wanted in on the action. Other countries, Japan, Poland, Eastern Europe, all these other countries started making and exporting decorations as well. Um, and here comes another little Christmas giant. Macy's. Hallmark. Oh. In 1973, Hallmark cards began manufacturing their iconic Christmas ornaments. Um, the first set is 18 ornaments, uh, including six of the traditional glass balls. It sold. Okay. It's important. I looked it up. Oh, okay. The PlayStation 2 sold 155 million units. Worldwide. Oh. Not at $155 million. I was like, there's a no way that's true. But still, it's a lot for still, ornaments. It's a lot. Baby, it's a lot for ornaments. I agree. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> that's why I was like, I I can't believe that that's true. <laughs> okay. It's the most units. Still. Still. Hey, I love you. Okay. So, anywho. Anyway. Hallmark, Uh the idea that the Hallmark keepsake ornament collection would be dated and available for just one year, right? Uh So you could sell more every year. Yes. By 1998, 11 million American households had collected Hallmark ornaments, and 250,000 people were members of the Keepsake Ornament Collectors Club. What year was this? 1998. Okay, so my mom was definitely in there. Okay, great. Correct. Okay, cool. And the Hallmark website 
it, I mean, they run this club like a kind of like chintzy mafia. Okay. Oh. Um, so okay, uh, another uh, another Travis Network movie coming up, The Christmas Mafia. The Christmas right? Mafia. I would watch the crap on it. Two rival Christmas Mafia, like a uh, two their their offspring fall in love, and it's Christmas Romeo and Juliet fight Mafia. Oh, I, we're looking for backers. Um, kickstarting it next Christmas. So um, here is an example of for twenty twenty four. Okay, spring twenty twenty four. For Keeps arrives with coupon. April 2024, Dreambook and Dreambox begin shipping. Ooh. Summer uh, 2024, For Keeps arrives with coupon. July, early access to shop ornament event. Uh, later in July, members only ornament release. Uh, more coupons. October, early access. And then another members only. And then uh, winter, more coupons. And then a last early access to shop ornament event for 2025 in December. I guess I just kind of thought you would drive to the store and buy them. I didn't realize it was so exclusive. It is very exclusive. Okay. At one point, there were as many as 400 local keepsake ornament collectors club chapters in the United States. And, you know, we got a lot of this information from Clara Johnson Scroggins. Uh, who has written a lot about this topic, and maybe we'll cover her as a biography. It's it's, it's very cool. Anyway, okay. in 1996, the ornament industry had generated 2.4 billion in total annual sales, and industry experts estimated more than 22 million U.S. households collected Christmas ornaments. Okay, so when did we stop using ornaments? Why don't we still use them today? Oh, no, but but we do. What? There is still enthusiasm for the Christmas ornament. Um, and there's more variety than ever before. Uh, you can like, get green ones. You can get red <laughs> ones. Uh, they could be woven, blown from glass or plastic, molded from porcelain or metal, carved from wood, expanded uh, polystyrene. No matter what, right? People keep buying them. They keep selling them. Keep putting them on trees. Sure. Um, most people have collections that are a mix, right? You get some of the shiny balls. You get some of the matte balls. You get some of the keepsakes. You get some handmade stuff, right? Um, and, you know, part of this is the annual unboxing of the Christmas ornaments. You look through it and say, oh, I remember when my aunt got me that or I made that in third grade or like whatever, right? It's it's very, very like family oriented, like nostalgia trip every sure. time you open it up and we start have, putting them on. Uh, we have ornaments where I have some that were on my mom's tree mm -hmm. and that were divided between me and my brothers and my dad. And then you have some that were like on a grandmother's tree, on mm -hmm. your mom's mom's tree yep. that have been divided between you and your sisters. And like, then there are ones that the girls have made. We have ones that have like, you know, baby's first Christmas or those things. We have things of like, these are the ornaments we first bought when uh, we got our first tree, when yep. we started decorating together. We also have a couple like little trees that are like two feet tall or smaller where we've picked out like uh, some aluminum ornaments of it's like this is things that the girls like, right? Mm -hmm. And we decorate those trees in their room um, and stuff like that. It is a, a, a most wonderful time of the year. It is indeed. If you are looking for advice on how to decorate your own tree, first of all, there is no wrong way to decorate your tree. However, here are a few tips. 
you should put the lights and tinsel on first. Yes. If you are a tinsel family, no, I don't we're, really like, we're yeah. not. I have always had animals in the house, and tinsel is very bad. That's when a mean thing to say about it. our children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a stank face after that. Yeah. Um, but, but then I got a real laugh, too, so it was worth it. tinsel, I mean, it's that kind of like stringy stuff, right? The that stringy, our cat likes to eat. shiny stuff that, that animals and children like to eat. Uh, so we don't do that, but some people do. Um, also, you might need specific hangers for specific ornaments. Some ornaments are very uh, heavy, might require a little more than just a ribbon, right? Um, Here's a pro tip for me. Oh, yeah? Don't just hang them on, like, the end of the branches. Get some back in there. That's right. right. Provide depth, especially if it's a heavier one. Mm-hmm. Get that heavier one uh, back in there um, and then kind of, like, alternate. And don't make them, like, in a row, right? You want different heights and depths and stuff and give it... Give it some depth. Absolutely. Um, and then if you have children or pets, you might want to hang your most valuable, breakable, sentimental ornaments out of their reach. Along that same line, if you're able to, like we have this little eye bolt that's like attached into like a stud wall, right, where we put the Christmas tree every year. And then we run a wire from that to the top of the tree. So, like, even if an animal or a child tried to pull it down, it's anchored up there um, for safety so we don't lose a bunch of ornaments from it getting pulled down. Highly recommend. And when we put it up, we don't just loop it around one time. I always kind of wrap the tree in it a few times up, you know, the center pole so that if the bottom gets kicked out, it doesn't fall. Yeah. So, if you have... (laughs) If you have need for that, um, here's some ideas that other than, you know, wiring it to the wall, um, you can suggest that if if children are helping, right, maybe give them a specific job. Uh, Maybe they can figure out how the hooks work or hook the ornaments and hand them to you, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or they can make their own ornaments while while we're decorating the tree. We can glue some popsicle sticks together or, you know, there's some great ideas for like edibles ornaments or you could like use marshmallows and candy canes and things like that. You could also put together the countdown rings, right, where it's like you make little um, uh, like paper circles Mm -hmm. and you tear the rings as you get closer to Christmas. That's the thing that kids can make. Also, when BB was about like four or five and she was still too young to like do some of the heavy... I would have her pick an ornament, tell me where to put it, and I would hang it up. Oh, yeah. And so she That's was like the idea. foreman. Worked out. Another thing that we used to do that I think our kids are big enough now that we don't have to is take like cardboard boxes, wrap them in uh, wrapping paper, and then we kind of ran a rope through them, right? And that made like a little barrier around uh-huh. the bottom of the so tree. They couldn't get to they the tree. They couldn't get to the tree, <laughs> but it made it look like it was just presents around it instead of like a gate around it. It was like a gate of fake boxes yep. to keep them from getting to the bottom of the tree. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Um, some Sometimes what you just need to do is you need to have just multiple trees. I'm a big fan of this. We already talked about the, the, tiny, trees, yeah. the tiny trees. Maybe if it is very important to you to have your tree decorated a specific way, you get your tree and then everybody else gets a different tree or gets their own trees. Mm. Um, because, you know, we all have maybe there's a questionable ornament. There's always the back of the tree. That's my Yeah, there's thought, always the like, back of the tree, yeah. <laughs> but if there's questionable ornament style, if there's questionable decorating style, and, you know, 
why why not let everybody get their kicks and have their own tree? Yeah, I agree. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we could not make this show. Thank you to you for listening. We could do the show without you, but we'd be so lonely. I <laughs> uh, also want to say, speaking of the holidays, Candle Nights tickets are on sale now. They're only $5. Uh, it's a virtual show this year. We're doing it to raise money for Harmony House in Huntington, West Virginia. You can go to bit.ly slash Candle Nights 2023. That's Candle Nights 2023 to get your tickets now uh also as this is coming out friday yesterday we put out till death do us blurt this year it's where justin and griffin and i and our friends tim and guy watch and discuss paul blurt mall cop 2 every year and put it out on thanksgiving and we will do that until the day that we die and then more people have to take over and the podcast will continue forever this was year nine and it was a good one we yeah, had a good I, time watching I heard this year. some good laughs this year yeah it was fun you can check that out till death do us blurt wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, what else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music. Where, and wherever, wait, there's a ringtone if you want to buy it. I lost my train. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The, our uh, Polar Express got derailed. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, no. The tragedy <laughs> struck no, today. Okay. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty, pinup photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, we are always taking topic submissions, suggestions, questions, idioms. Hey, send it all to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads every single one. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.